Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is the weekly show where we talk about all things money and finance and where we give you information to help you make the best financial decisions possible. So if you want to buy your first home, you want to be better with money, you want to learn how to invest, where to begin, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe. I'm so thrilled to have you here. So without further ado, let's get going with this week's show. All right. So welcome, guys, to another episode of the Conversation of Money podcast. I hope you guys are well. Uh, the last few weeks have been interesting. Um, brought a little bit of a different feel to um, to the content here. And I'm joined by uh, another guest uh, this week. Um, her name is Victoria Mortimer. She is the unlikely accountant. And um, we're going to talk about the emotional side of money, because I think that's really important in terms of how we actually deal with money from a day-to-day point of view. It's always rooted in something, right? There's always going to be a root cause. So we're going to talk about that today. Welcome, Victoria. Hi, thank you for having me. No, not a problem at all. Thank you um, so much for for coming on to the show. This is actually the second attempt we're we're doing at this recording. So I do appreciate your time. And I know that (laughs) this recording is coming from beautiful Switzerland. It is, yeah. So I've definitely made the most of the travel ban being lifted. I think it was, uh, I can't remember the date now, but I think it was listed, lifted on the Monday and something like the Wednesday. I just got on a plane and headed out of the UK, which um, mm-hmm. has definitely been much needed. I think, yeah, having a change of scenery has um, been a good thing for the soul, actually. And I'm sure a lot of people will feel the same once they start venturing away from home because, yeah, lockdown and being trapped inside for all those weeks, even when you're trying to look on the bright side, I think it takes its toll. So, so yes, I'm in beautiful Switzerland, which is, which is lovely. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. I'm, I'm certainly looking at um, Dubai possibly in the next couple of weeks just mm-hmm. to get away because after being know four months locked in the house not really being able to do anything you just want to kind of you know get out there and, and flights are ridiculously cheap right now yeah well this is it yeah you've got to make the most of it i mean i know some people um you know might have some concerns about traveling so i was actually meant to go to a, a small sort of party a small birthday party in switzerland and some of the relatives of the the hosts actually said, I can't believe you're going to let someone from the UK come to this party because you know they've had the highest rate of, you know, the highest death rate in in Corona. Mm. And so I was ceremoniously uninvited (laughs) from the party, Um, (laughs) which was, you know, I understand their concerns and and that's fine, but, you know, you just have to go with the government guidelines, don't you? And they said we're, we're fine to fly and, you know, and all the rest of it. So... Yeah, definitely make the most of it while she can in case something horrible happens and there's a spike and we get locked down again. <laughs> yeah, well, they are saying that there's going to be a winter uh, a winter spike, apparently. So, um, yeah, it might be worthwhile getting a few holidays in beforehand and stuff. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Get yourself there. <laughs> so why don't we start off with you just kind of introducing yourself, telling people what you do. Um, your, your story is quite interesting in terms oh. of you're an accountant. Thank you. I am. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm Victoria. Um, I am an accountant, although I sort of badged myself as the unlikely accountant. So during this kind of uncertain lockdown time, uh, like many other people, I was furloughed. And whilst I thought it was going to be great to have some extra time on my hands, I'm quite a busy, active person, and thought, what am I going to do with all this with all this time off? So I thought, hey, I'll just start a podcast. Why, why the heck not? So I uh, decided to start a podcast. Um, I wasn't sure exactly what theme I wanted it to cover, 
necessarily, but obviously with my background being accountancy and, and finance and sort of money and that kind of thing, uh, that seemed like a natural topic for me to, to, to host and, and to cover. And so I've kind of been mm -hmm. having guests on and covering those topics um, accordingly. But obviously money and finance is a very broad term um, and, it, and it does capture lots of things. And actually what I sort of found myself more interested in now having been doing the podcast for for a few months and, and sort of you know following other podcasts like yourself and kind of researching this area um i've kind of become just more and more interested and i know this is what the topic we're going to talk about today um around the the emotion and the psychology of money because it just underpins our decisions and how we how we allocate our resources um and i think as i'm more as i started sort of thinking more and more about it, it 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 can really dictate how you lead your life actually you know if you sort of saddle yourself with with debt early on in your life that can be quite paralyzing and can actually be quite difficult mm -hmm. to, to get out of equally if you are scared of money and you, and you live in fear of it if that's your relationship with it then actually it can it can hold you back and it can stop you from from reaching your potential um and so i've just become yeah sort of fascinated with how people approach money you know how do rich people get rich why do poor people stay poor and when you kind of get underneath it i just think it, it consistently comes back to this what is your relationship with money um and we've all got one you know good and bad and i don't think there's a there's a perfect one necessarily um but we all do have a, a relationship with money and yeah i just think that this sort of the psychology behind it is something that as i as i've been researching there are lots of accounts out there and lots of practical advice like i know you give a lot of advice around you know you want to start investing or what about making sure you've got a pension you know you've got kind of martin lewis and the money saving expert with very practical logical tips that we should all follow in terms of our own personal finances and they're fantastic and there's loads of those out there but the bit that I can't kind of get my head around is, okay, well, that's great if we all do those things and we're sensible and, you know, we shop around for our energy bill and our phone bill and we make sure that we do get it as cheap as possible. If then the next time we're just feeling a bit anxious or down or not feeling very nice about ourselves, we go and buy a £2,000 handbag. It doesn't really matter if you save 20 quid on your weekly shop because you've gone an emotional yeah. or because you haven't, you don't have uh, control of your emotions. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, it doesn't matter if you save 20 quid on, on your, your food shop because you haven't mastered your emotions um, and then you've ended up, you know, buying something that perhaps you, you can't afford. Um, and that I just kind of find really fascinating. And I don't really think it's spoken about in, in that way very often. I don't think people talk about or maybe face into what their relationship with, with money is because it's just... I don't know why. I mean, there's a whole host of reasons why. Um, yeah. But I just, I kind of, I'm fascinated by that. And perhaps we can, you know, dive into a bit, uh, into a bit more detail. Um, but I think it's great to yeah. start the conversation and, and get people thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree because I'm, you're right. There are so many um, sort of financial tips and guides and all this stuff that is out here from various different sources. But I think fundamentally you've alluded to something that isn't being addressed. And it's okay, so why do we treat money in the way that we do? 
Mm. Where does that all stem from? Mm. Does it come from the fact that we didn't get it at home or we just don't understand or mm. we are using money to satisfy another area of what we do? So, for example, I know I had a friend once upon a time. He was um, he, he had 100 pair of trainers, right? Adidas, Nikes, Reeboks. Those were his three, really, he would go and buy. And he would go and buy the same trainer in different color variants all of the same size and he'll just stack them he had like a wall just full of trainers and when you get into the reason why he does that he was overcompensating something overcompensating for something else Mm. but that led him to getting into a load of debt because he had the habit of i've got to get a new pair of trainers this week in order for me to go out on friday night and it's like you've got 15 pairs that you've not even worn but for him it was like no 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 i've got and i'm again it's where does that actually come from? How do we address mm. that? What's the emotion around it? Because unless you address that, the monetary side of things doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you suggest if you can't, you know, look at the root cause. Yeah, no, and I completely agree. And this is why I'm so fascinated by it because I think, um, you know, when, again, we have done some research and, and being on some forums now to do with other money bloggers and just kind of having my head in all of this stuff. And, you know, there was one girl um, who posted her story on a, on, um, a, a blog that I, oh, sorry, community that I'm in on Facebook. And she basically, she was in loads of debt and she just, I don't know what the catalyst was, but one day, you know, she just decided, right, enough, enough is enough. I'm going to tackle this debt and I'm going to pay it all off, essentially. And she did. And she sort of posted in this group to say, today was my final payment. I am now debt free. You know, I had this many thousands of pounds on credit cards um, mm-hmm. through doing going back to basics and doing all those things that you have to do you know paying off in installments and tightening your belt and so on and so forth but she was able to do it and she said i'm not trying to i'm not you know trying to blame the credit card companies in any way but firstly it is quite scary that people that aren't very well the fact that anybody can just get thousands of pounds of credit on a credit card yeah and it's actually quite frightening when you think about it it's like you're giving somebody access to all this money that they've never had before potentially and then you're going to act surprised when they spend it all and can't pay it back um yeah. and she's you know i'm not blaming the credit card companies for that i did spend it um but good for her for sort of paying it back but that's you know she obviously had bad habits and she was overspending. she was trying to be the you know keep up with people or she was doing it to make her feel feel better um but it does come back to your you know your a rational person wouldn't spend more than they can afford to pay back. But this is the problem. Yeah. It, it, it's not rational. You know, people don't mindfully, mindfully spend. Um, and I think as a sort of, you know, using that as, as, as an example, but just as a, you know, as a society in general, if having people not good with money, it's, it's not a good thing, actually, because mm-hmm. then when people into debt and they can't afford to pay for certain things and i tell you something that was i thought was quite interesting i don't want to like get political about it but when the the footballer uh, the man united guy sort of lobbied the government and said no you need to continue to provide free school meals for children that can't afford them and it was all in the press yep. because he's a footballer this that and the other and i thought you know yes that's that's nice and of course you don't want a child to go hungry but i kind of thought to myself well isn't the issue why the children are hungry in the first place, not whether the government should or shouldn't provide food. And I get that everybody has different circumstances, but 
as a parent, surely a fundamental need is that you, or sorry, when you are a parent, is that you need to make sure that your children's fundamental needs are met, one of those being food. So you should be able to provide food for your children. And again, I know people have difficult circumstances, so I don't necessarily get into that. But somewhere along the line, you've obviously not managed your finances correctly. If, if it, with the money that you do have, you can't afford to feed your own child, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah. I think that goes in every walk of life, where if you can't afford to make sure that your, you know, your basic needs are met in terms of a roof over your head and food on the table and heating and, and things, something's gone wrong. I'm sure you've had money. You've possibly spent it on the wrong things. I'm not trying to demonise people for doing that and saying, you know, poor people just don't know how to manage their money because it's not that. But it's just you've allocated your resources in the wrong way. And why? Why is that? And I think if we can kind of get people talking and get people thinking about it, hopefully it'll prevent those situations where the government has to provide free school lunches for people because people will have thought, no, you know, I'm going to allocate my resources in a sensible way that mean I can meet my, you know, fundamental needs, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know what, you've touched on so much stuff there because I think ultimately we we need to get to the core reason so for example you talked about the banks and my view on this is very very strong and it is a disappointment in the industry that i've got a career in right now in the fact mm -hmm. that you go to a bank and fair enough it's not their responsibility to make sure that you're um mentally or emotionally fit to have a credit card or a personal loan mm -hmm. but there isn't enough due diligence taken at the point when someone's taking out a credit card to actually explain right this is what a credit card basically does this is how it works i mean certainly when i was opening student accounts i was told just make sure that you mm -hmm. tell them that they've got to make the minimum payment there's not that further explanation in terms of well mm -hmm. actually you only make the minimum payments it's only the interest therefore that £2,000 if you go and spend it all is still going to be due after a period of time and i think there is a there is a burden of responsibility upon you know, the banks to provide that little bit of education. But even when you go back into the family circumstances that you talked about with the school meals, it all comes back down to the actual um, notion of, well, that's simple budgeting. Was that taught in schools? The answer is no, it, it probably wasn't taught in schools. Mm. So it's like, well, how do we get all of this right? Bearing in mind, you still have emotional triggers that people deal with on a day-to-day -day mm. basis to make sure that money management at its core is a priority. And it's a priority across mm. all ranges. So it's something that's get, that gets taught in school. And it's something that as adults, we're able to take that and emotionally regulate how we manage our money with the know-how of how to do it. Precisely. And I'm really glad you said that because in amongst all of this, one of the things that I just keep coming back to is I need to make, I need to ensure somehow that money and personal finance and budgeting and all that sort of stuff is taught in schools. It absolutely needs to be on the school syllabus. I just, I, I feel so passionately about it that I feel like I'm going to make that my mission in the future to, to mm introduce it because it's just so important it's so important and it's like how can you you know because like you said it's not it's not the bank's responsibility to handhold people and trying to explain to them how interest rates work you know yes they could do that um but i appreciate why they're not going to um you know ideally 
well, I say ideally, you know, a lot of things that you learn in life come from your parents, but, you know, sadly, if your parents mm. don't have a great relationship or a great understanding of this kind of stuff, then they can't pass that on. And nothing is obvious until it's spelt out to you. You know, like, if you're naturally inclined, you know, to sort of with numbers and finance and savings and stuff, it's probably come from your parents first and foremost, and maybe you are just a bit more like that, but nothing is obvious until it is spelt out. So the idea of a credit card you know, and the notion that you do have to pay that money back, believe it or not, is lost on some people, or they don't certainly don't realise that the interest that you pay is on the full balance until you've paid it all off in, in full, you know, things like that. I mean, APR, what does that even mean? A mortgage, you know, how, do, how does that work? Um, even things as silly as, you know, your tax code. I have a tax code. I'm a chartered accountant. I can't really tell you what my tax code, you know, of course I'm... <laughs> Uh, well, I know there's some deductions from it, but I'm never really sure what my tax code is from one year to the next other than it changes. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's, you know, we're not going to stop people from emotionally spending. We're just not because it's, it's the way we're programmed to function of a human and it's why we're marketed to so cleverly and why luxury brands exist. But I just think if you could introduce at least some of the basic principles at an early age before you know, you get too old and, and you've got the chance to cause further damage. If you can kind of embed it sooner rather than later, then maybe, maybe before people emotionally buy and your mate buys these 200 pairs of trainers, maybe he might just pause and just think, oh, do I need this? Do I need that? Because I think all of us, if we, if we take the time to do that and don't, you know, buy on impulse, um, I'm sure we've we've talked ourselves out of purchases over the years by just taking that time or just thinking, oh, maybe I'll buy it next month because, you know, I, I don't have as many outgoings next month or, or, or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, I really, I really think having it sort of embedded in schools and taught in schools just to get those foundations and those principles so that they are more common sense to everybody. Because like I said, they're just, they're not common sense unless you're, yeah. unless you're old. Um, maybe you want to yeah, join me I, on a crusade I, to change the syllabus. <laughs> I completely agree with you. And you know what? Last year I was actually looking at this and there are elements of financial education that were introduced into the curriculum, I think back in 2014. But I think the issue that they've had okay. is it hasn't been, um, it hasn't been as successful as they would have liked because the issue is or was that teachers aren't really confident in delivering the material mm -hmm. because you can't teach what you don't know. And mm -hmm. there was a government um, paper that was produced, I think it was back in the 2017. And the recommendation in the paper was very, very clear. They said, you need to get help from the financial services industry. And that means that you've got to get banks, you've got to get investment houses, <laughs> you've got to get financial advisors and people like that really mm -hmm. to help you deliver these things. But unfortunately, it comes back to what we were talking about before. The banks, investment houses, financial advisors, where's the return on investment for them to allocate mm. their time into yeah. it? So, so this, mm. it, this is a core fundamental piece that is missing within the education system. Because I think it's a travesty that, you know, kids can leave school not understanding what an interest rate is, not understanding what a mortgage is, not understanding what compound interest is, not understanding mm. what the stock market is. Yes. How can that be in 2020? How can that be in 2020? Yeah, when it's all and, when it's all stuck. Yeah. It's like, and and then you 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 you're you're putting these kids into this culture where now social media it's all about instant gratification. And this is going to be my next question to you. 
when you when you think about the emotional side of money, how much of an impact do you feel this culture of instant gratification? I've seen it. I can get it right now. I want it right now has on the emotional side of actually regulating how you spend your money. I mean, I think it just makes it a million times worse, to be honest, because all if you think about the emotions that you associate with money, you know, you've got um, envy, you've got greed, you've got fear, you've got shame, you've got all these different emotions that if you just see, you know, if you see a picture of somebody that seemingly has a lot of money and they're in a flash car or they're on the back of the yacht, you know, living their best life, this, that and the other, just that flashing up in a few seconds, immediately you can think, um, well, I'm jealous because that, I would like that to be me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I feel ashamed that I can't afford to do that, especially if it's somebody that's your, you know, peer who maybe you went to school with or is the same age as you that you might compare yourself to. Um, mm-hmm. and, you, and you can you immediately feel all these things. And then so you think, okay, well, what can I do to make myself feel better? Okay, well, maybe I'll do the same thing. I'll book a flash holiday as well, or I'll go and buy something, you know, expensive to just make myself feel better. And the fact is, if you can get it immediately, then immediately it arrives and, you, you know, you've, and you've paid for it and it's on your credit card or whatever. You get it. And then, as we all know, because we've all been there, the novelty the novelty quickly wears off. If it's, you know, if it's a yep. particular item, more often than not, you get it. Okay, that was fun for five minutes. I've posted it on Instagram now so everyone can see. Okay, now what? And you, you then you know, a week later, another image will probably flash up that, that also makes you feel bad about yourself. And then what you're going to do, buy something else? Well, no, because you haven't paid for the other thing that, that you've just ordered. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think you haven't had, before you know it, you haven't had time to digest the way you feel it. You haven't had time to rationally respond to these pictures that you just served with, you know, in seconds every single day. Um, but equally, you've just spent all that money in seconds. It's not, you know, like years ago, my parents, if you wanted something, you saved up for it. You know, that was just the, what, you, what you did. And that was how I was taught. If you want something, you save up for it first. And then you get it. And then emotionally, you then assign more attachment to whatever it is. Because you think, oh, I've worked for that. You know, I, that was a month's, you know, a, a month's hard work, or whatever. And now yeah. I've it. And, you, and psychologically... And I say this not being an expert, just being a human being, but psychologically, you think, oh, yeah, right. you know, I urge that. You can look at it with pride. If you just bought it willy-nilly without actually having put in the grafting first, first of all, you just don't value it because you haven't had to work hard for it. Um, but then I think the feelings of guilt and shame that you feel afterwards when you know you bought something that you can't afford are even worse. <laughs> so I think, yeah. Um, yeah, I think social media is just heightened and, and, and already big problem if i'm honest yeah i think i think as well you you run in the danger of just falling into this constant vicious cycle because Mm. i mean i i'm 40 years old i couldn't i can't begin to even comprehend the the pressures that young people must feel this day these days with Mm. social media and their peers and and what may appear to be really successful people in your age bracket living their best life going on holidays and all this kind of stuff and unfortunately you don't know what is real because it's on instagram Mm. you know the amount of stories that you hear of people buying luxury goods just to take a picture then take it all back get a refund Mm. but you have no way of knowing that it's like well they've got a louis vuitton purse or you know some louis a louis vuitton shoes on but Mm. they could have just bought it just for that picture and take it all back you don't know the circumstances so to have to deal with those pressures 
I, I just I wouldn't even know where to begin. And that's something why I feel it's very important for us to actively work to try and and provide content and provide methods for people to be able to cope with this kind of stuff whilst acknowledging that you need to get balance. You need to get mm-hmm. balance that you want to enjoy what's going on in the present, but also bearing in mind that actually it's important to build for the future as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think something that's helped me more recently that I've gotten into, so I do, I meditate and I'm quite big into sort of, you know, the whole mindfulness and meditation um, thing, if you can call it that. Um, mm-hmm. And that has been very powerful for just bringing mindfulness into my everyday life, actually. I mean, that's the whole point of it. The whole point of mindfulness is is being able to con- control your mind and to stop the internal, not stop it, but you have control over the internal dialogue that we all have that's constantly mm-hmm. the chattering sound in, in your head that's uh, being negative, that's winding you all up, that's, um, you know, making all these emotions that you're feeling heightened and, and even worse. And... I think bringing something like mindfulness, and again, I'm trying to sort of change up this, the entire school syllabus, but introducing that at a young age to kind of make, just kind of encourage people to have more um, mindfulness over their everyday decisions and just taking that moment to, to pause and, and, and take a breath. Because I think when you're speaking logically and rationally to yourself, you know, you, you can sort of step back from the Instagram highlight reel and think, I know that this is just a highlights reel. I do it myself. I know that I only post pictures when I'm having a good time. Therefore, there's a good chance that this person's doing it too. Um, yeah. But we're just not rational beings. We're not. We are creatures of, of emotion. And so, and, and I think we said when we recorded this the first time, like emotions aren't bad. You need emotions. You need to feel an element of all these things to find out what's important to you because there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting yep. to buy nice things. There's nothing wrong with wanting to earn more money, you know, that you shouldn't feel ashamed or, or greedy because you, you want to earn more. Um, there's, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Um, but it's just your emotions, if not kind of handled correctly, then override any sort of logic or rational thought or, or reason. And then, yeah, that's when it's, it's, it's damaging. Back to your point about it being a, a vicious circle because then um, avoidance is then a very... Uh, well-utilized tool of dealing with problems, isn't it? You know, when you realize that you, you've done something wrong or you're, or you're, you're stuck in a rut or you, you don't like your circumstances, sometimes facing into them is really hard because it, it makes you feel awful about yourself. And then you just think, oh gosh, I don't want to do this. So you avoid it and, and therefore you feel better. So you, you acknowledge that as a strategy. Well, I've tried to face into it, but then I avoided it and then I felt a bit better. So you just continue to avoid it. But the peaks and troughs of those emotions then get worse because you're not actually addressing the problem and it's just continuing it, continuing to spiral. Um, so to kind of go back to the original point, yeah, not that I want everyone to feel like mindfulness is, is for hippies or anything like that, but it is a useful tool to just help deal with your emotions because... Um, yeah, you, like, well, just to kind of reiterate the point, yeah, emotions aren't bad, but if you let them get out of control, then they can be. And then that's when you do things to excess. That's when you overspend. It's when people also overeat or they overdrink or they, you know, do mm-hmm. anything that's bad for them um, in, in, in excess. Yeah. Yeah. I think you made a really, really good point there in terms of, you know, it's very, very easy once you get into this vicious cycle to just want to bury your head in the sand and not face up to what it to what it is that you, you've got yourself into. 
and mm. it, it does take courage to be able to do that. If I, you know, speak about my mate who had, you know, 50 pairs of trainers, even till today, and I'm not really in contact with them. I've been in contact with them maybe, you know, for five years now, and probably even more actually. Mm. But even up until my last conversation with him, he never acknowledged it, never wanted to have a look at it. And, and at the point when I last had a conversation with him, he was in about £25,000 worth of debt. And he just didn't want to face it. He knew, he knew full well, I need to do something about this. But it scared him to look at what he needed to do. Mm. And it even scared him even more because he knew that all this compensation that he's been doing for something else that happened to him in oh, I want to go out on the weekend, I want to look my best, and that's his facade. He didn't mm. want to face that because he knew by tackling the £25,000 worth of debt, he's like, well, actually, I'm going to have to be a bit more stringent with my money. I want to buy, be able to buy new trainers to make myself feel good anymore. Mm. And it was just a cycle that he wasn't willing to, to, to break because it was too painful for him to do that. And I get it, but it's really, really important that we equip people with just the ability to be, be able to make that decision early on before they get into that into that cycle mm. yeah no i i agree because yeah it's not ideal once you're there um and it's and it's difficult it's really difficult and i can see why yeah most people would yeah look at that credit card statement and think oh i'm just never gonna be able to touch this it just becomes like a phone number it's not even like a real number you just see it there <laughs> yeah. you know and you just think i'm never ever going to be able to pay that back therefore i'm just not going to even try and you know if you want to live your life like that, then fine. But I think most people don't because the bit that he would have been showing to you is probably the sleepless nights that he was having or the anxiety, the panic attacks, the mental, you know, the impact on his mental health. And again, this is why I think it's getting people talking about money and finances as, as, as early on as, as possible is a useful thing because money does remain very much a taboo topic. People don't like to be honest about um their financial circumstances because of all those things that i've just described you know the emotions that you feel you know you don't do why would i want to share how much i owe with my friends in case firstly it's not as much as them and then i'm going to feel embarrassed but then what if i earn mm -hmm. what if i earn more then am i going to feel um embarrassed that they don't earn as, as much as me am i then going to feel the pressure to then pay for more stuff on nights out because they all know how much i earn i don't want them to think i'm tight so therefore i yep. talk about it and you know even going into the workplace and you know, knowing how much your 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 peers um, earn um, within the same organisation, you know, you don't you're not just going to ask your colleague how much they earn because it's not the done thing. But therefore, how do you know whether, for example, a promotion's worth going after? How do I know what my manager's job if I don't know how much that you know that that role is worth? And I think this was something we touched on when we recorded this the first time around the emotional side of money that you kind of got emotional spending and it can be dangerous if you're spending beyond your means but then also even if you are you do have good habits and you spend it with, within your means and you're good at budgeting it and so on and so forth because we're all human beings naturally as our salaries increase our outgoings increase and then what if you find yeah. yourself a job that's not fulfilling anymore um you know you just you, for some reason you don't like it or you realize there's something else you'd rather do and you might not like the role anymore but you definitely like the salary that you get and you're definitely yeah you definitely have outgoings that requires that salary therefore you know the emotional attachment to that salary could potentially stop you from exploring something else because you think well no i'm, I'm used to earning a six-figure salary now yes i might want to do something that i might love and you know that old phrase of 
find something you love and you never work a day in your life, which I don't necessarily think is yeah. true. It does the rounds. Um, but you just, you won't do it because you've, you've probably got a mortgage and, and a car on finance and just a lifestyle, quite frankly. And either personally, you don't want to see yourself go backwards in any circumstances. And there might be an element of, but now I've got this friendship circle and we all earn a similar amount. I don't want to be that poor relation. And, you know, it's interesting because I've been furloughed. You know, and furlough was fine whilst we were sat around not being able to do anything. But now that I've been able to travel, um, you know, I've, 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 I've gone off and, and I've, you know, I've had my budget and everything. But I've had to really keep a close eye, a closer eye on my bank account than I have done in years because I've not been earning the same salary. And it's not at a stage yep. that's worrying for me if I have good habits and I've planned it. But yeah, it's just reminded me what it feels like to to have to be that person that's like, oh, oh, I don't want to go to that place. It's a big. I literally did that. I didn't go. There was one night there were the guys were they were going to a club, and I was like, I'm not going to go. Firstly, because it did sound a bit hectic and a bit shit, and no one was on the guest list and blah blah blah. And I just thought, I know what's going to get what's going to happen. I'm going to get there, and it's going to be 200 euros in because you need to have a table and this that, and the other. And quite frankly. I can't afford that right now. Um, and it's been just an interesting experiment to kind of go back to that, to remind myself how it feels to not be as flush as you once were. And I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not complaining about it. And, it, you know, loads of them did get in and it turns out it was a bit shit. But, um, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I've had to that, be that person. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though. What you just mentioned there is actually golden. Because it's, I think that's really, really, really important for people to acknowledge that it's okay to say, you know what, I can't afford to do this right now. It's okay to do that. And there isn't any shame in it. It's you taking responsibility for yourself. And if you have a good group of people within your circle, they're not going to judge you badly for it. And I think that's really, really important. And you you also mentioned something else that around the emotional attachment to money in terms of, you know, you're earning really, really well, you need that income. And then that attachment to the fact that you need that income becomes a very, very real emotional trigger because when you do want to break off because guess what? It's making your life a, a living misery and you've got that Sunday evening, Monday morning feeling that you hate. Mm -hmm. It's very, very, and trust me, I've been there before and breaking out of that, that particular cycle is very, very hard to do. And it, you mm -hmm. get to the point where you're literally just working for the money with no real mm -hmm. fulfillment. And that's, that's a dangerous place to be. Mm. No, and it is. And I think we, as humans, we place a lot of sort of stock and worth by our careers. And the fact that with, you know, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a graduate, I've got 10 or 12 years um, experience in the, in the finance sector, um, and, and now I'm paid accordingly for my experience. And I'm quite proud of myself for that. And then to think, or oh, well, maybe I'm just going to rip all that up and go back to square one and start, you know, I'm going to go work for a charity where I'm going to earn half of what I used to. Mm -hmm. If it's I'm really passionate about, yes, I might have that fuzzy feeling about it, but the reality is I'd be thinking, oh God, I'm going to have to go back and earn, you know, I'm going to be earning half what I'm used to, but I'm, I'm worth more than that. I've proven that I'm mm -hmm. worth more than that because I've all my years of experience and my salary would attest to the fact that I am worth more than that. And again, it's all that emotional, um, just thought process that, that you go assigning value to to yourself by how much you earn and and what you can afford to buy or you know where you live and um again a bit like with just emotional spending in general i don't think you'll ever escape from that 
um but it's just something to be i don't know aware of and, and mindful of that it that it happens and to, ideally people wouldn't be trapped by those circumstances you know you wouldn't be judged on on how much you earn or where you work or what your job title is um but that it, like, it's just human nature isn't it and it's just kind of how we're all yeah programmed to function in a way yeah. yeah i always say to people that you know it's very very important to be able to um get balance in terms of if you really want to go and buy something because you worked really hard and it's a reward or you've always wanted something, it's okay to do that. As long as you have the ability to know that you can control that with your choices and it's not being led by an emotive trigger or it's not being led by peer pressure, which it could also be an emotive trigger. It's you having full decision-making abilities, I would call it really, yeah. in terms of, all right, okay, I've worked really, really hard this 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 period. Um, I do want to go out and buy this new handbag or this new mm. um, jacket that I saw because it's going to be a treat to myself and it's a pat on the back mm. for hard work. I believe it's very important to get that balance and not constantly be of the thought of, well, I have to constantly save every single penny that I have because you need to have, it's all about balance. You need to enjoy your money. You need mm. to also be able to build for the future without having the emotional mm drivers behind the decisions that you make mm. i yeah i agree and i just think it all it fundamentally comes back to just being happy and, and being content and that's something that the mindfulness kind of instills in you in a way it doesn't sort of you know just because you meditate it doesn't mean you're going to be happy every single day of course it doesn't but what it does do is it gives you it helps encourage you to have a very good sense of perspective and to get to know yourself really well and to just think fundamentally what makes me happy and if earning lots of money makes you happy fantastic if you think no all i'm bothered about is just being able to sort of cover my costs and i don't want to be tied down to a desk you know a full-time desk job i want the ability to travel and i'll do on a shoestring if i have to but as long as i can afford to do that that makes me happy perfect if like you say if by if treating yourself to something because you've worked hard and you've earned it and it's within your means to do so and it makes you happy, great. If living beyond your means and racking up thousands of pounds worth of debt on a credit card makes you happy, then fine, I'd say go for it. But, <laughs> but I don't think it does. And I think that's why the, um, you know, if you can pause and you, and you just sort of think before I'm gonna buy this 100 pair of trainers, let me just, let me just be honest with myself. And that's the, again, the, the sort of the mindfulness, it makes you, it makes you understand yourself and be honest with yourself and we sometimes don't always want to be but if you can't be honest with yourself who can you be honest with and just mm -hmm. because i think you know deep down if something's making you happy or not you know if 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 you're spending beyond your means and you're and it's, and it's racking up on, on credit cards you probably know deep down that you, that you shouldn't be doing it and that's kind of the first part of of, of stopping that i suppose and just thinking okay I know deep down this is not what what is going what is making me happy. Therefore, what what is it that, that that I'm not happy with? And just kind of taking that second to pause because, like I said, it's just the damage is done. Once you once you can just access something so quickly with 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 a credit card, that the damage really the damage really is done. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's just. Yeah, just find a level of contentment, and that's I think all you know. You could argue it's, it's impossible, um, but I think with 
we, you know, we're, we're, as, we're as wealthy as we've ever been, as you know, sort of the Western world, and yet people are more depressed than ever. So if, if more money equals more happiness, we should all be, you know, running around doing cartwheels and be ecstatic with ourselves because we're wealthy than we've <laughs> ever been. Um, but actually, it feels like it's the opposite. Yeah. You know, we're, we're more depressed and more anxious and suicidal than we've ever been. Yeah. Um, which is why I think I just sort of feel so passionately about this emotional side to money because I think it forms a very significant part of why people are anxious and why, uh, you know, suicide rates are high and, and you know, rates of depression and, and everything. Um, and I'm not saying I can fix that single-handedly, but I think, introduce, you know, like we just sort of discussed, introducing some good coping strategies when you're younger um, that's only got to be a benefit as you go into, you know, adult life and, and um you know, teaching the difference between emotional spending and, and building for the future, you know, you know, talking about investing in property or in your pension or, you know, things that will reap rewards later on in life rather than just yep. in anything that you earn is just there to be immediately spent on whatever consumables you can get your hands on, which is how a lot of yep. people live, you know, it is. It, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. you must see that all the time with the people that, that, that you help. Um, and do you know what I've noticed it, it it happens at every walk of uh, every sort of stage of life it doesn't matter whether you you earn you know not very much or, or shed loads if you've got good or bad habits they just stick with you regardless yeah they absolutely do yeah yeah they absolutely do because one thing I found is you know with, with so with the podcast is more kind of like um, broader easy to to digest i do a lot of stuff on youtube as well and what i have found surprisingly from youtube is i do have a lot of younger people 18 19 20 24 25 who watch youtube and obviously i i, I share my experience of like i wish that i started to invest when i was in my 20s because guess what guys if if i'd started i would have god knows how much money in the bank right now probably half a million yeah. more than that and i don't have that right because i didn't invest and mm -hmm. i it's, it does get through to younger people. And that's really, really encouraging for me. Actually, I'm very, very surprised at that because I've had so many messages. I get messages daily on Instagram who find me off, you know, YouTube and listen to the podcast and say, you really kind of give me a different perspective to look at. But I think that's really, really important. And I think oftentimes people need to um, see an example maybe of what, what good does not look like <laughs> in order for them to be like, yeah. okay, maybe I don't want to go down that path. Maybe I don't want to go that down that path mm. myself. So, you know, you, you've mentioned um, mindfulness being something that, you know, you use to cope with the whole emotional side and can be used to cope with the emotional side of money and, and controlling that. Is there anything else that you think that, that could be used and implemented for, for the listeners? What else would I say? I think, I mean, that's been a, a big one for me. Um, I mean, just start talking just start talking to you know your friends and people that you trust and you know you don't have to be necessarily specific you know you don't have to tell people how much you you earn or how much debt you have specifically if you don't want to but i think it's just sometimes good just to get a temperature check on what is real and rather than your perception because as we've discussed going on instagram and just assuming that people must be doing really well for themselves is often is often not the case and i think Mm -hmm. I've been doing this, you know, the podcast and um, and and been talking to different people. I started having those. And, oh, sorry. Oh, did that come through? That's really annoying. Hang on. 
think my battery's running low. Okay, so um, you can edit that, edit that out. Can't you? Yeah, I can edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, just, I, I've, I started having those conversations with people, and people have been quite honest with me. And there's, you know, a friend of mine who, I even said to her, as like when I first met her, she had all the sort of the signals of having, you know, money, so to speak. You know, I noticed that she had Jimmy Choo shoes. She was a member of the Ned. Um, you know, all these things that I'm sort of deemed as quite extravagant. And then as I spoke uh-huh. to her, she was like, yeah, I just, I, I put it on credit cards. I couldn't actually afford it. I was, I was down. I was trying to cheer myself up, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she's gotten herself into much better habits now. Um, and she said that listening to the podcast and things like that have actually really helped, um, which is great. So I just think, yeah, at the first port of call, if you don't want to start meditating, even though I would highly recommend it, um, start talking to people. And also, you know, read some books, you know, something else I've done recently is, is join a book club and educate yourself. Just, you know, just start reading and just, you know, don't sell yourself short by thinking that you're not a numbers person. Cause that was kind of the, the drive for my, uh, you know, the, the theme for the podcast was that I'm an, you know, I am an accountant. It was not a profession that I sort of intended to go into. A lot of people will say to me that they couldn't do this job because they're not a numbers person. And, we all have to be numbers people. You just cannot avoid numbers. And so if you don't feel like it's your area of expertise, yeah, read a book, get some advice, you know, financial advisors will talk to you for free. You know, you don't have to pay them straight away um, until you enlist their services. Um, but just start asking questions and probe, uh, you know, find out, have you got a pension? Who's it with? Is it the best that it can be? Have you got a few because you've moved your jobs around? Does it make sense to consolidate? You know, just start asking those questions um and just taking an interest i think that's that's the main thing it's just very easy to think well my employer sorts out my tax code my employer sorts out my pension i'll figure out getting a mortgage if i meet a partner or something like that like don't wait for those for those moments you know take ownership this is your life they're your finances no one else is going to look after them um you know you wouldn't let somebody just take 20 quid out of your wallet and not sort of say something about it. Whereas you've probably got no idea if you're getting exactly what you should get on your pension or if you're getting exactly what you should get in your salary because you've not checked your tax code. And I've been guilty of that, you know, that as an accountant, I've definitely been guilty of not being fully in control and just thinking, well, work, just do it. Work, just do it. Well, do they, do they do it right? Because I've had a couple of tax base over the years and I have to say they've fallen into my lap, not because I've, you know, gone after them (laughs) actually to check. Um, you might find that, um, yeah, that, that stuff's not being done in the, in the most effective way for you. So, yeah, just be interested, take ownership and just get started. And don't, don't be worried about having all the answers right away and, 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 and everything being perfect. Just, just, just get started and take an interest. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I think it's really, really important as well that if you are in a position where you're like, you need to do something with your finances and you know, but you're just like, well, where do I begin? You know, mm-hmm. there are financial coaches now and I, I do a lot of coaching for people. And what I often find is when I'm coaching, I always ask one fundamental question. And this works better for people who are perhaps a little bit older and, and have a job or have a career that they're working in. So mm-hmm typically for people that I typically coach are, you know, 30 plus. And I always ask this fundamental question, and this works for younger people as well. What is your goal? Mm -hmm. What do you want to achieve in the next five to 10 years? Because a lot of people will be like, oh, yeah, I know. But do you really know? Mm -hmm. Do you have it written down? Because for me, that dictates 
everything that you then do with your money because it's well if you want to buy a house in five years time guess what you're earning all of this money right now how do we use this money that you're earning now to get you that house deposit to get you that house in five years time it's having a plan and working backwards towards a goal. And I think a goal is really important as well because you can use it to anchor people in. Mm. It's okay to say, you know, save £20 a month. Okay, but why? Why are you saving that £20 a month? Well, the reason why you're going to save this £20 a month is because, remember you said you want to buy a house. Well, this £20 a month is going to add to this much over that period of time. That's going to be the deposit, which is going to enable you to buy this house. So Mm. rooting it in a goal is really, really important. I've I found that that works really, really well for the clients that I've coached. And that is something that you can do. Take some coaching, speak to someone who knows this kind of stuff and can guide you with some steps that you can take. I agree, because also I find that you're, you'll, you'll dedicate your energy and your focus to something that, 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 you want, that you want to do. Once you've got that focus, you'll just, you're more likely to, to realise it. And I think... That's definitely true of of me. You know, I had a goal that I needed to save a certain amount of money in a certain amount of time. And before, you know, I sort of, I would save, but it was, you know, it wasn't in any sort of structured way. But once I knew, I was like, right, this is how much I need. And I need it by, you know, in the space of a year. I I got it done because I was like, I need need to do it and I'm going to face into it and be realistic and think, okay. Um, and this is when I, I set up my my personal spreadsheet with with all my outgoings and everything because I thought well I just I need to know where I spend my money and how much is am I realistically going to hit that target because I felt like under a bit of pressure with it but once you get into the routine of it and you know you've got a goal and it's you know it's kind of it's written down almost and I've got a spreadsheet yeah you you stay on track and then that's then when you hit it you're kind of impressed with yourself and you think oh gosh. To your point, yeah, why wasn't I doing this years ago? <laughs> Rather than yeah. just getting my income and just spending it without really thinking too much about it. Wasn't why wasn't I being a bit more strategic? And I think, you know, if you if you like you say, if you think about what, what you want to achieve or where you want to be in five or ten years, you know, people might joke about oh retired, ha ha ha. Well, yes, maybe that's a bit silly, but okay, if that's what you genuinely really wanted, then think about how you can make that happen. And maybe that's not the reality for most people. The reality is I just, yeah, I want to buy a house or I want a second property or whatever it might be. But I always say, you know, dreaming is a form of planning. So once you've had the dream, this is what I want. Okay, well then think about a way to try and make it happen. And I just think Mm it should be in what it is. We just said all the bad things about emotional spending, this, that, and the other. But I also think human nature being, once you've got a goal and, and you're committed to it, and if it's something that you really want, you will just find a way to make it make it happen and it might take you a bit longer you know you might not get there first time but you'll definitely get closer than you would have had you just not even thought about it at the start absolutely absolutely and that's the powerful bit in the fact that you know this emotive side of money can be a negative force but it can also be leveraged and be a very very powerful Mm -hmm. driving tool if you anchor it in the right way and the way i Mm -hmm. the way i see it being used most effectively is anchoring it to a specific goal so one of my coaching clients Mm. was actually on the podcast she's actually on the podcast this week so last week when you listen to this Ah. um one of her big goals was i want to get balanced so when we started talking about okay so what does balance actually look like well it looks like i want to work four days a week and i want to have enough time over the next over the remaining three days to be able to do what i want and that's around mindfulness and be able to spend time with family and do all the stuff that she enjoys doing but also on the agenda of her balance is, well, I'd like to go on holidays. Okay, well, 
how many holidays it's about minutia specifics how many holidays okay maybe three or four a year mm-hmm. is that long haul short haul local breaks what are they well i want to go on two good holidays mm-hmm. a year okay so how much is this going to cost you it's going to end up costing me this much so by the time we've mm-hmm. looked at the number she's like okay that's a big number mm-hmm. but it's like okay let's divide that number down by 12 <laughs> and that's how much you need to make monthly in order to get there then it was like yeah actually that's mm. not bad actually i can do that and she's self-employed as well so it's like you start talking mm. about the business and yeah. what she can introduce into the business and that emotive side to it gives her the motivation to carry out the plan that we put together for her to be like mm. okay well if i say this this money is for my holiday fund so i know that 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 holiday i want to take to this place is going to be taken care of in the next three to four months and it's that anchor that emotive anchor and it's quite powerful in that way it's, it's, it can be used to good it's so powerful because also coming back to the whole what makes you happy and what makes you content and everything you know so you know i like to travel and people always go oh, you know you're always away you know all the time it, you must earn a fortune it's like no it's not that it's just i know i like to travel and i know which bits are important to me and i know where i'm prepared to spend the extra cash and where i'm not so yes i might be away a lot but I'll always find, you know, the most cost-effective way of getting there, you know, whether it's the flight or Eurostar or whatever it might be. And even my approach to holidays is sort of similar to that, where if I'm going on a weekend break, for example, you know, and you're there for a couple of days, the aim's to sightsee, basically your accommodation is just somewhere to lay your head, you know, for, for a couple of nights. I'll just find the most, the cheapest, the, the best location for the most sort of cost-effective amount of money because I'm hard, you know, I'm hardly there. So, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just, it'll be as, as minimal um, to with a certain region, you know, I still want to stay somewhere that's, that's nice-ish. Um, yeah. But that's something that I absolutely factor into my decision as to whether or not I take that break. And if it's a longer break, you know, a week or two off work where that's my time away from work where I really want to rest, I want to rejuvenate, I want to come back feeling refreshed, then I will spend more on the accommodation because actually that forms part of the experience for me. That's, you know, I want to stay in nice surroundings because I don't want to be stressed out by the fact that we, you know, I've, I've cut a corner and I've stayed somewhere that, yeah, it's cheap, but it's miles away from anything. You know, the, the services aren't very good, this, that, and the other. Um, and it, yeah, so it doesn't mean that I'm sort of flush with cash. It just means I'm very in tune with what's going to make me happy and mm-hmm. uh, I'll, res- I'll sort of invest my resources accordingly. If, if, you know, if I can find a cheap flight somewhere where the accommodation is going to be 300 quid a night, I just, I probably wouldn't go because I just think that's not going to make me, I'm going to be irritated by that because yeah. I'm, I'm not going to get to enjoy that swanky hotel um, that's cost me a fortune. So I think, yeah, when you sort of boil it down to everything, and it's even like during COVID, you know, I've been going to Aldi, which has just been an absolute revelation to me. Why have I never been there before? Like, it's amazing. Yeah. It's like a third of the price of any other supermarket. And I know I haven't been there because it's not convenient, whereas because I've had all this time on my hands. But I'll go there. The money that I save on that weekly shop pays for these extra holidays. Yeah, absolutely. No, I do completely agree. So, I mean, look, this has been a great conversation. I hope that everybody has been able to take a few things away from this, um, listening to this week's episode. Um, Victoria, why don't you tell everyone how they can find you? Because I know you've also got a podcast and Instagram. So why don't you just tell how people can find you? Yes, yes. Um, it's always great to get some more listeners. So if you're interested in listening to my podcast, it's on uh, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, 
they're the main ones, I think. And it's just the unlikely accountants. And you can also find me on LinkedIn, Victoria Mortimer. Um, and I'm on Instagram as well under the same uh, handle as the podcast, which is the unlikely accountant. So yeah, come and come and chat to me and say hi. Yes, please do go visit. Thank you again for listening to this episode. As you guys know, I do have an event that I've planned um, on August the 15th and 16th. So I'm just going to talk really, really quickly about that. It isn't just about financial education, although that is my big, big driver. We've got 10 speakers, 10 topics, and that's across, you know, investing, buying your first home, tackling debt, managing money, investing in crypto, uh, momentum, uh, invest when it comes to buy to let property, starting the business. We actually have a celebrity talking about that. He's a serial entrepreneur. His name is Paul C. Brunson. It's a Saturday and Sunday event. It's going to be hosted via Zoom. But I also want to be able to raise money for a charity. So we're hoping to raise £10,000 for the Life of the Academy. And they support young uh, children and parents in inner city London. Um, they have the Manhood Academy and the Woman Hood Academy. And essentially what they do is they get these kids off the streets into an environment where they have positivity and they have mentors. And the whole goal for me is to be able to raise up to £10,000. So if you want to pick up some financial education and you also want to help a really, really good cause um, and impact some lives in young people's lives, then please do buy tickets. I'll put the tickets uh, link in the show notes of this show. But thank you so much for listening. Until next week, I will catch you soon.